Hello everyone. Welcome to our episode of In Conversation with IPR and Competition Law. I'm Ishita Borua, the founder and today's host of this podcast episode. Hi everyone. I am Sonal Sinha, an Indian IP attorney and the co-head of this IPR vertical and the co-host of today's episode. Today we have have here with us Ms. Niharika Salar. Niharika Ma'am is currently pursuing her PhD studies at Queen's University Belfast and has worked as an assistant professor at Nalsar University Hyderabad where she taught IPR uh, She also holds an MBA honors from the National University of Singapore. During her postgraduate studies at NUS, she presented her research in Hong Kong and Indonesia with respect to brands and IP law in multiple jurisdictions. She also assisted Professor Irene Kalbuli towards the organization of IPR A Second IP and Innovation Researchers of Asia Conference 2020 in Jakarta. Additionally, she has also worked with Professor Chalmers, who is the Vice Dean of Research at NUS. Legal and regulatory framework of various South Asian countries with respect to their COVID-19 response, where she was responsible for looking into India. Hello, ma'am, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Our topic of discussion today is cultural appropriation, IP protection for indigenous communities. And before putting forward my question, I believe it would be appropriate to begin by defining what's cultural appropriation. According to the Oxford Dictionary, it's an acknowledged appropriate adoption of customs, practices and ideas from one culture to another by members of another culture. Basically, in much simpler terms, cultural appropriation is when people from one culture adopt or use elements from another culture without understanding or respecting their meaning, and it becomes a problem when it reinforces stereotypes or disrespects the traditions and values of culture being borrowed from. Ma'am, is there anything about this concept that you would like to further add upon from your experience and research on this topic? Okay, firstly, thank you for having me here. Um, and yeah, this term is a little tricky. Uh, it can be a very mouthful, but cultural appropriation, like you said, yes, is is basically you know taking off items from one society to another. Now, the 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 thing with the term was that it really emerged in in post-colonial critiques discussions of um, the Western expansion, right? And this happened during the 1980s. So at that point of time, this term cultural appropriation was really just coined to describe how members from um, some dominant cultures would appropriate from some cultures which were sort of disadvantaged. And you know, you 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 could you could say that then cultural appropriation was just taking off items from one oppressed culture by a dominant society. And therefore, it's very important to take a moment to appreciate that not. all cultural taking is cultural appropriation and it's crucial to then introduce two terms here which i'm sure our audiences would be aware of but just in case it's cultural exchange and cultural assimilation so things like say pasta or tea they're all examples of items which have been traded across nations throughout different periods in history and they're all borrowings if i had to put it that way and they're not exactly the same as cultural appropriation because they don't really include the use of power right because at the end of the day culture 
exchange happens when individuals from various cultures interact um, on a sort of equal basis but appropriation occurs where uh, powerful groups take something from a group which is oppressed and on the other hand the other term assimilation is when um, when when cultures from say a minority group they are adopt from a dominant culture so that they can fit in and this is what is known as assimilation like the closest um, example which i can probably think of was um, when recently junior ntr was at oscars receiving an award for natu natu and his um, very polished american english accent was was made fun of initially it was made fun of but then after a point of time people just said that um, you know like like one way of looking at it is that yes people do that so that um they they can fit in more easily or or they can uh you know just do some acts to adopt so that they are not actively discriminated against um even if it comes at the cost of sounding something different than they are so they, they, these are all examples of cultural assimilation now that's not necessarily appropriation and that's usually done so that they can survive and they can prevent discrimination so yes this is just something which i wanted to flag out before we start this conversation um thank you ma'am um also uh, i would want to continue the, uh, with the question that ma'am can you explain to us the thought behind introducing uh, intellectual property within cultural appropriation and how uh, the later affects the former yeah um i have so so something which really interests me about ip law is that how it functions with the economics of creative communities um and other creative industries so um i have been like my my interests lie a lot in the fashion industry in the apparel industry and the one thing which is very prominent about how the how the economics of this industry works is that designers and artists and 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 people who 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 create these certain designs they they um have been drawing inspiration from each other um since time immemorial right and if you cut off that blood supply of creative exchange and communities would be just left with very uh, small palette of ideas and they will be left with very uh, narrow views of what the world looks like and the other ways of just being in it um so what you need to understand is that many cultural commentators um uh, talk about this and then the nature of this relationship of borrowing then starts becoming a little problematic because it's very common for us to feel inspired by beautiful things which we see around us like maybe i don't know you look at vibrant fabrics or you look at beautiful colors or you look at clothing and and that may have come from a different history which you may not know of but you just find it beautiful um and back in the time when say a fashion student would study these pieces for their research they would have done so um with a lot of care and respect um and they would be researching these the past and the customs of what would go behind this particular article of say you know clothing say for example but now what's happening today is that um with the rise of of course social media the very high speed dissemination of of audios and videos and pictures um where everything and anything of culture and history is just up for grabs 
for everyone in the name of inspiration and this practice has significantly increased so it's just so much simpler now to you know copy a motif or just a craft skill onto clothing and 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 that can be just mass produced within within a matter of hours that and that walks the runway and when that happens without any credit or acknowledgement then it becomes a problem um like i mean of course you know our audiences would be aware of so many examples of cultural appropriation but uh, you know something which say for example i would like to bring up is say bindi right um bindi is 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 a is an is an item of for the lack of a better term makeup um, or an accessory which which indian women are used to wearing on their forehead um you see it a lot in uh, the west too now um you can see pictures and images of say international pop stars like selena gomez or miley cyrus endorsing obindi um in fact to that extent even similar uh, indian designs on their forehead but how many of them know that the bindi is not just another festival favorite but it's also uh you know it's 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 meant to enhance the powers of the third eye so that you can facilitate one's ability to access their inner wisdom or gurus like that's the idea behind the bindi but when it's when it's just when it just becomes a fashion statement um and you know teenagers would like to just wear it around without knowing the significance or the cultural significance behind it that that that, that they they risk into going into this very um Uh, you know very ignorant attitude towards people who were wearing these with these for so long so that's when it becomes a little problematic and that's when then you know legal wings try to come into force to protect some sort of uh, rights so these cultural creations they are really just ways to present themselves to the world but when they start having a high economic and social value and when there are dominant forces who want to extract these economic values they start controlling these communities and then uh they have limited control over their own creations and then this is why you have aspects of ip law like copyright law traditional knowledge geographical indications all of these wings um coming in which have certain elements of um protecting some you know elements of of culture and therefore the next steps are that you know you 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 look uh, you look into intellectual property you look into industrial property issues which not just focuses on our own future in matters like say ai or metaverse or data but it also then starts considering these questions about protecting cultural products which are passed down from generation to generation and if that has to be done then how can it be done in a more secure and a more safer manner um so yes you have the copyright law i don't want to go into the details of what every wing has to offer but there is of course the copyright law there is there's the trademark law uh, the more prevalent um wings which have taken uh you know or which or the discussions of of which have accelerated our traditional knowledge our traditional cultural expressions um and geographical indications yes right um so इकोनॉमी 
yeah that's that's a very interesting question because um you know ip scholars tend to just restrict themselves into understanding what uh, what creative freedom um you know to an extent can be curtailed in, in this entire process of ip protection um but they but yes there are um, other ways there there are there are enough studies to suggest um and uh, i would like to quote the native governance center which is a native american led nonprofit organization um which 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 seems to suggest that cultural appropriation can also co- cause confusion for marginalized for, for those marginalized groups who want to say learn about their culture and identities um and and they give you an example of how the wellness industry in the west has appropriated practices from other cultures like and and they do this by giving an example of of yoga so if you if you if you go to uh I will 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 not just saying saying just the west would be a little unfair but uh, you you have these extremely pricey yoga classes in the name of um well wellness uh, being and they emphasize fitness right whereas again uh, yoga's roots is not is less to do with fitness it's more to do with with free devotional practice and and you know self concentration and meditation and that's the idea behind yoga but it's been churned out into something else uh which in today's age is more to do with with fitness and then it increases the prices of yoga and then suddenly yoga has become this very cool thing to do which if you are not doing then you are not um up to date or you are not you you just you just not cool um at least this is what i'm seeing in in the west so when a practice is then appropriated and you to an extent that you no longer understand its origin and what the intent was then there can be a lot of confusion right uh there are also other issues there are studies which have suggested that cultural appropriation in some specific industries can lead to mental health issues uh especially in something like the beauty industry um uh so say for example uh you know women of color they are uh, told that they are not attractive in their culture but then when it's when when the same thing is on say a white woman it's depicted to be uh, beautiful right um i have experienced this myself to be honest uh, during my time in singapore um i was told by a lot of uh, local women uh, that oh you have such bushy eyebrows that that, that you know it looks really pretty uh but back in india i'm being told that you should have these trimmed um, eyebrows right and it's it's simply because of the fact that that, that due to the gene, due to their genes singaporean women don't have a lot of hair in their eyebrows and then they are then uh you know they go for these uh, you know eyebrow enhancement procedures and so many things like 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 just because you're being told that you don't you're not supposed to look a certain way because you come from a certain way but then suddenly you go to a different jurisdiction and it told oh that's beautiful uh it just leads to a lot of uh, you know insecurity issues which i i have seen in a lot of especially young women so that can be really harmful so so, so it it just crosses a lot of boundaries it's 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 no more about just simple um appropriation issues it's it's a lot more than that it's it's bodily issues it's it's mental health issues so much more um also just one more thing which i would want to uh, you know emphasize on 
is that um, the way people and local artisans they practiced their um, traditional weaving designs, say for example, uh, that has taken a hit now. with something like fast fashion coming in and again something which i really like talking about because this is my phd topic um with with fast fashion what has happened is that now you can suddenly uh, you know copy something and then produce it uh, in 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 huge numbers at a significant uh, speed so retail brands then produce inexpensive knockoffs of runway trends or traditional designs and and therefore they they foster this culture of consumption where affordable and trendy clothes are bought and then they're discarded in really quick succession and that's why you see so many young 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 children young boys and girls and, and people of other genders going to um fast fashion brands like H&M or Zara buying stuff off the sale and then just quickly discarding it in two months and then again going for for the for the next next thing in 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 fashion right but with this what has happened is that the bandhage say for example the bandhage traditional weaver in gujarat and in rajasthan they are now their 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 products are not being sold because nobody is willing to pay them that kind of money and then what is happening is that they don't want their children to continue uh, you know continue you know doing business in that certain craft and the net outcome is that uh, the number of people who are creating those original designs is reducing year by year which is again a significant loss to the craft industry of a country so that's that's again something an example of of an economic harm but it's also it's also a huge loss of identity where you're just seeing generations being wiped off who once practiced these traditional weaving designs but are now just no more interested because they know that they nobody is going to pay them so yeah these are some 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 ill effects of cultural appropriation oh ma'am uh, since all this problem exists uh, what protections can uh, indigenous uh, people rely on uh, from the current ipr regime and the gaps in the regime uh, where does it fail right um see the problem with 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 current ip um, regime is that a lot of the current ip scholarship has not been updated with these emerging themes and they are largely just restricted to knockoffs and it also just majorly uh, you know uh, looks at ip in fashion from a more uh, market and economic based narrative so there are studies in which people have spoken to these communities but then their investigations have been limited only to experiences of these communities with just revenue generation and that leaves a lot of scope for research from the social legal angle as in not just knowing that okay have they lost a lot of money but what toll has it taken on their day to day lives um so as many scholars have argued they have acknowledged as well that ip law does not have a lot of capacity to protect communally created cultural products because ip law is meant to protect individuals uh, it's 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 a regime which is meant to protect individual creators that's how ip law started right it was meant to protect 
um, authors of 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 uh, authors and and writers in in the West, and that's how copyright law, the oldest wing of IP law, started, and that's how uh, like the thematic narration has been that it's meant to protect individual creators. But when you have a community saying that we all collectively have, uh, you know. Or, or or we 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 want protection over the certain design. It's it's just really difficult to fit it with an IP law, because that's that's not where it's 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 really placed. So there is similar hesitance also visible at the international stage at the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, and they also just protect provide that indigenous people have the right to maintain, control, and protect and develop their IP over. such safe traditional knowledge or traditional cultural expressions and based on case studies of actual disputes over these indigenous culture there are scholars like brown who argue for a more um pragmatic and a more nuanced approach to protection something which relies more on um not individual ownership but more on mutual respect on negotiation um and and just joint stewardship of cultural information than on just expansive ip law because that just tends to hurt both indigenous people and it undermines civic values so apart from your uh, you know general protection which 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 traditional knowledge and gis have to offer uh there are these gaps which are being constantly identified and is then being worked on at this point of time yes right ma'am so along with the gaps in in ipr law are there also yeah. limitations that are inherent in cultural expression that also contribute towards this difficulty of their protection yeah i think i have sort of answered this but um, let me just reframe myself um the uncomfortable truth is that culture can't really be owned for some that for some people that's really a tragedy but for for others it's 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 offensive or and and for more others it's it's just a joke but that doesn't still stop it being true right um you you cannot ignore this idea that yes uh, you know culture at the end of the day is something which is so difficult to define so difficult to uh, put boundaries on so difficult to navigate and even more difficult to just uh, you know uh, narrow down to like you, you you cannot say what what exactly is culture what what parts of culture are inherent to a particular jurisdiction um yeah i mean i like like say for example i was speaking with this person uh, from pakistan which happens to be a neighboring country to india and we were just fondly talking about jalebis how can you say that jalebis are inherent to india or it's inherent to 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 pakistan it's very difficult right it's 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 a border which was placed very recently in history and and you can't say that it's it's that that if if i if i find an american making a jalebi i can't say it's pakistani cultural appropriation or it's indian cultural appropriation it's it's very difficult to determine uh countries to an extent have started documenting these things um so of course there is something called the traditional knowledge digital library which india has um what they're trying to do is that they're trying to document as much as possible the history of where a certain element would have come from but then again that's just a starting point right that's 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 
an inherent limitation of the subject matter itself which we are talking about which is culture yes that's the problem which i can think of uh ma'am uh, apart from the um ipr law are there uh, other avenues under which indigenous communities can seek protection um right so uh apart from having specific ip laws there are countries which have decided to go with with uh, with, with dedicated pieces of legislations and code to just protect their heritage and one example is italy so italy has a strong italian heritage code um which they have used to sue um you know many instances which they feel um are italian culture cultural appropriation uh so for example uh, i believe this was last year or last last year um where a certain number of galleries in italy they sued a french fashion house for damages because they felt that uh the company was using unauthorized images of um, botticelli's renaissance masterpiece the birth of venus um um on a range of clothing products like t-shirts and leggings and this museum also then just claimed that uh you know they were taking legal action uh because the italian heritage code had provisions in it so uh, what's what's really tricky about such situations um is that um you know this this code is trying to protect something which is in the public domain at the moment so although this artwork in question botticelli's um birth of venus which which by the way is a very famous painting it's you can, you can just google it i'm sure you're already aware of what it looks like it's um you can you can see it in so many uh you know instances around you every day you see it in memes you see it in instagram posts and 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 stuff like that but but what this cultural heritage code tries to do is that it protects this 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 piece of work which by the way was painted uh during the 14 1480s and um as copyright law the t- the tenure of copyright law suggests it's already in public domain which means that it's free from copyright and it's actually free for all to be used so then how is this country's extensive cultural heritage uh, code trying to protect it from commercial uses there is really nothing you, you, like you wouldn't have something like this in ip law and that's why probably italy felt that having a separate heritage code like this would be more beneficial but then these are the questions which 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 come with it right that if you're trying to protect something in 2023 which was painted in the 1480s um and technically is already in public domain um then is that too strict a protection in the name of cultural appropriation mm-hmm. so yes that's uh, that's 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 one yeah. um one way of protecting it but i also see it problematic <laughs> right uh, that is quite an interesting example uh, so during one of my researches also i came across this concept of three c's of ipr which is developed by the cultural intellectual property rights initiative which basically talks about consent credit and compensation so can you throw some light on this and how important and effective do you think this is in asserting the ownership of its traditional knowledge by the community I think this is really helpful the 3 Cs of IPR um 
as you as you mentioned consent parental compensation because in light of in light of the fact that how traditional communities operate um it is important to understand that their needs uh you know would be very varied like say for example in india a lot of communities would not even be aware of the kind of appropriation which might be happening on these international uh, ramp shows by 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 these designers like gucci etc uh they wouldn't be aware of it because of how they are placed economically and just the fact that they are more concerned about having their bread and butter of the day and not and and not that who's who's copying their designs they they they're not really uh bothered by it they will be bothered by it when they feel that their sales have dropped down and i have already spoken about how how it does impact uh, or the possibilities of it impacting their uh generational wealth right so then in a situation like this the other way of looking at it is also that somebody sitting in america wouldn't know about bandage uh unless and until they saw it in a gucci ramp show just because of the wide fan following and the and the wide reach a global brand like gucci has so in a way uh, it's actually doing good to the community because more people are now being aware of it but again it's coming at the cost of not giving enough credits like they know what this this design design looks like but they don't know where it's come from so it's i mean i really feel that it's it's a very double edged sword and you need to understand which sort of side do you want to get the maximum benefit of and then in these situations i feel like uh, you know solutions of mutual benefit sharing comes really in handy consent credit and compensation credit is of course really the best way and that's what stuff like gis and traditional knowledge really aim for but then take a step ahead and also compensate them if you you know give them some 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 uh, share of your of of the proceeds or 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 or, or just enter into a mutual agreement where uh, you know some communities may be getting some benefit out of it but again that that will come that that's that something which we all keep talking about but it's really difficult to happen in practice because like i mentioned these communities are not even aware they're not aware they're not bothered and if they're not bothered then they won't be demanding their fair share of benefit and if that's not happening then it's people like us who come in in the picture and then try to make people aware by writing by publishing or or whatever so yes that's that's, that's one way of looking at it um while it is uh, important that communities are granted rights to control the use of their uh, cultural expression uh, there is also a need to strike a delicate balance with the necess- necessity of preserving the dynamic nature of culture uh, which seeks interculturality um artistic freedom and freedom of expression uh, uh, what are your views on that there are many uh Uh, uh many instruments in ip law which try to balance out all these elements which you have mentioned um fair use is one of them fair use is is in copyright law it's also used in trademark law in limited jurisdictions where the idea is that you can use elements of a registered work without the explicit consent of the registered user 
or the first user in case of a copyright um provided that you are using it only for limited purposes like personal use or uh, you know research or criticizing or commenting or, or stuff like that um and then i would like to connect it with again the italian example which i gave off like seeing drawings of botticelli in a meme because it's funny should be allowed because it's 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 a part and parcel of somebody's you know uh, freedom of expression or just artistic freedom and then the freedom to create something new and interesting um taking an element from culture but using it in a, in a, it in a different context so if it's fair use most likely it will be allowed but then the, of course the Italian heritage code is kind of questioning it whether you can or whether you cannot so in ip law yes there are uh, there are solutions to kind of balance all these out then it's it, it's it's really just limited to to um uh the level of intensity of which jurisdictions look at it like say for example the united states have a very strong approach to um or rather they feel strongly about um you know weighing the scale in favor of artistic expression over somebody's uh you know private property rights or copyright law uh so it, yeah it, it's it's really just looking at uh you know which country has what to offer but yes there are uh instruments uh, in fact a recent news report uh, was also released it was it's called free to create artistic freedom in europe and that also is an example of how you can examine the challenges which uh, european artists and cultural workers they face in the practice of their right to freedom of artistic expression and these range from uh, from a lot of laws too like curtailing creative freedom um, copyright law for example or just attacks from you know non governmental groups online threats uh, i mean one way of looking at it is that uh, you know everyone's become too sensitive everyone has opinions everyone wants to uh, question everything as problematic and then yeah people people are afraid of speaking up even in the even in the face of you know say good comedy or good jokes and then that's 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 when uh you know there are limited contributions to um political and academic uh discussions and discourse so yes that it is it is a problem but then there 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 are there are things in ip law which which are constantly being used to balance it out right uh so ma'am are there any international frameworks or legal mechanism in place to address cultural appropriation or protect traditional cultural expressions yeah this is a very timely topic because uh, mm-hmm. there have been discussions going on at the uh, um, at the wipo stage the world intellectual property organization um they have a document called the protection of traditional cultural expressions which is kind of an updated draft gap analysis which explains um uh, the current deficiencies in relation to intellectual and industrial property and it's really in particular uh, i mean it's 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 really in relation to copyright particularly to copyright and to be able to take effective actions against the appropriation of cultural expressions and therefore along these lines there is a wipo intergovernmental committee on intellectual property and genetic resources traditional knowledge and folklore it's 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 really called the igc 
and they are and as we speak they are in the midst of conducting text based negotiations um with a view to finalize an agreement on one or more international legal instruments so that they can expressions and genetic resources the tt the tc and the gr and the aim is to complete this by 2024 which is next year um because this has been in the pipeline for a while simply because of the fact that the topic of cultural appropriation is so sensitive something like traditional knowledge and tcs the traditional cultural expressions are so sensitive that um different countries have different views on it um it's very easy to divide these countries in the global north and in and the global south the two broad uh, groups which uh, makes it a little convenient to uh, find narratives and what discussions are coming and of course it's very difficult for them to agree on a certain element one side wants certain elements to be free to be used by all whereas the other side wants um a more stricter version of protection on these elements of culture and that is why negotiations have kept um uh, you know falling or they have failed in in recent years so at this point of time it's the vipointa government of committee which is trying to negotiate again uh, and uh, and you know and the and the aim is to finalize an international legal instrument by next year so next year is going to be very interesting to see uh if at all they're able to finalize one and if they're able to finalize one what are the provisions and how can then that be implemented in domestic laws across the world uh ma'am uh, what are some of your potential solutions or recommendations for addressing cultural appropriation uh while respecting intellectual property rights and cultural diversity mm, that's an interesting one we um i'll just say be as much aware as possible and be as much sensitive as you can uh do not have a lot of uncooked opinions because this is exactly what becomes problematic um and even if you have opinions be ready to listen and do not be very rigid with what your views are um any extremists can be a huge problem and um um like like, like say for example my name is neharika and uh, in singapore and now here in belfast too i i see people sometimes i see people struggling with my name because they find it too long now neharika is a very common indian name but that may not be the case overseas um and then sometimes what i just say is that if you find it too long to say you can just call me neha and that seems to be fine with a lot of people um but just yesterday when i mentioned this to somebody uh that person told me that no i will not call you neha if your name is neharika then i will attempt and i'll try to call you neharika to the best of my uh you know uh, capacity and and that was that was another really nice of that person see because it's you 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 say these things because you want because you you just feel that uh it's not worth the the conversation it's not worth the energy in putting in trying to explain your entire name to somebody but then there is another perspective which is that this is my name and this is how i want uh, it to be addressed and yeah just just make a genuine attempt man so you know it, these are just things just and that's what i'm saying try to be as sensitive as you can and and really just just try to be aware read 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 as much as you can 
the other day i was trying to talk to somebody and was just we were just trying to talk about the conflicts uh, the the very unfortunate situation happening in israel um mm-hmm. and i just asked what do you think and the person said i don't have an opinion at the moment because i just don't know about what's happening like the, like the the conflict is so deep rooted it's so complex it has been happening for so many years that i don't have an opinion at the moment and if i do that would be very kind of i'm like yeah hey, that's fair enough just just yeah be be aware that's that's all i have to say and be sensitive at least as much as you can That's all I think, I have to say. Yeah, I think that's a really great way and a nice thing to say because knowledge and sensitivity are these two things that can really help with this problem to a great extent. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the end of this. Do you have any concluding remarks that you would like to share with us? I think with uh with, with with respect to what we were discussing um it's just just be aware that 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 culture at the end of the day is still uh, meant to serve um individuals right it's 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 meant to serve individual happiness and and there are no inherent values of their own and therefore just like what say the best mall or the best marketplace would be which has you know the most selection and convenience for you to offer um uh, the best society would be where there is a diverse range of cultures existing with each other uh with minimal boundaries between them so that individuals then have a chance to explore as much as they can as many cultures as they can and at least this is my hope that this is where the world is moving um at the moment like this is at least the direction it's of course not everywhere it's just, this is a very general statement i'm making at the moment which comes with with its own risks but at least that's the hope um and do remember that everything is not cultural appropriation there are times when it's really encouraged to try something from a different culture so if you're say invited to um to say um you know a wedding which you are not aware of then just go go for it and and if the hosts are cool with you wearing say traditional clothing of that certain culture uh then you are really just invited to take part by people from that culture right that's that's not cultural appropriation so all these important ideas of dominance of oppression it's it's good to know about them but they don't exist everywhere and this is what makes cultural appropriation a big deal in the first place so yeah the next time you feel something like this is happening and again i mean the 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 best example i can recall of is uh, this is this instagram creator called nasdari and i'm just going to take another minute here um very very uh, very interesting instagram content creator who has a wide fan following he and his girlfriend visited india and they uh, they were they were uh, very passionate about knowing indian culture and they they decided to have an indian wedding for themselves they wore indian clothing indian traditional clothing sarees kurtas dhotis etc they invited some guests over and 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 they made it uh, a huge deal on their instagram account and they and if you see the comments there again two sides right one way of looking at it is that oh you're coming to india and you're appropriating our culture and the other way is that hey welcome to india and it's good to know that you're making an attempt to to know more about indian culture and enjoy it yeah without 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 just being ignorant about it or where it's coming from 
so yeah that's not everything is cultural appropriation it's important to be aware what is but don't flag everything as cultural appropriation it's just good to know about cultures that's that's all i have to say um uh, thank you so much ma'am it was very informative like today's discussion and i think um everyone whoever listens to this episode takes note of your discussion today and uh, is also very culturally sensitive whenever right. it is necessary yes uh, back to sonal yeah uh, thank you ma'am i mean even even for me i think the last answer was uh, what hit the nail on its head where you everything is for appropriation and there has to be some sense of sensitivity sensitivity from both sides so yeah that was uh, amazing and right. thank you so much for giving us your time and i would also like to thank all the listeners for tuning into today's episode and it was a pleasure to have you on with us ma'am and discuss cultural appropriation for any questions suggestions and recommendations please feel free to contact us on our instagram linkedin or twitter twitter accounts this is in conversation with ipr and competition law See you all in the next.